0: It's Tuesday, September 27th, 2022, I'm Jackson Bird. Today, how close are we to some kind of invisibility cloak? Plus, when giant lion-sized otters roamed the land. Yes, the land. And Hasbro wants to make you into an action figure. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. There are some sci-fi technologies that once seemed nearly impossible, but have since come to fruition. Like Star Trek's communicators. I mean, I guess cell phones can't make calls across space without the use of satellites, but still, for what people had when Star Trek debuted in the 60s, we're pretty close. We've also got virtual reality, self-driving cars, drones, smartwatches. A good number of technologies still seem far off or unachievable though. Teleportation, time travel, shrink rays, hoverboards, A few companies like Lexus and ArxPax debuted different types of actually hovering hoverboards several years ago. Lexus's version uses magnetic levitation that requires metal and liquid nitrogen to work, and the ArxPax project hasn't been publicly updated in about four years. And I won't even get into the fake so-called hoverboards that are actually just two-wheel balancing scooters undeserving of the name. By the way, even the Oxford English Dictionary back in 2015 said that they wouldn't update their definition of hoverboard to include those, writing that the entry for hoverboard would quote, restrict itself to boards that Marty McFly would recognize, end quote. But anyways, another sci-fi technology, or superpower depending on what you're reading, that doesn't feel like it will ever really happen is invisibility. Whether it's alien armor, a fancy car, or your dad's old cloak, even in our world of fantastic innovation these days, actual invisibility still seems a bit too unrealistic. Researchers back in 2016 agreed. Engineers from the University of Texas at Austin ran a study to show the receipts that true cloaking technology is impossible within the fundamental laws of physics. They did cop that you could use a device to perfectly hide an object for a specific wavelength, but, quote, hiding an object from an illumination containing different wavelengths becomes more challenging as the size of the object increases, end quote. Nonetheless, since then, there have been a few indications that various parties, from startups to militaries, continue to work towards some version of invisibility. The latest comes from apparel company Volback, a perennial purveyor of viral drops. Some of their previous stunts have included a fully compostable algae-based t-shirt, a fire-and-zombie-proof apocalypse jacket, a self-sterilizing jacket, and a genuinely full-metal jacket. But co-founder Steve Tidball says the dream since the company's founding has been to create an invisibility jacket, and after several years of hard work and collaboration, they've just debuted their proof of concept. But is it the real deal, or is it just another hoverboard that doesn't actually hover at all? Getting around the UT researchers' pesky fundamental laws of physics, Volbeck got creative with the use of graphene and an infrared camera— From Wired, quote, Unlike the physically impossible approach discounted in 2016, this technology is based on graphene layers. The jacket, made up of 42 panels of graphene, around 5 centimeters square, that are attached to the outside of a jacket, is controlled by the electron density of the material. We have a multilayer graphene coating on the surface and we intercalate ions between the graphene layers similar to a lithium ion battery. A voltage is passed through the layers by a computer program that charges the ions within a liquid that sits between more than 100 layers of graphene that accumulate electrons. We basically control the electron on the graphene he says. That converts the graphene, an absorbing material, into a reflective material when it comes to infrared thermal radiation. Graphene's near-unparalleled conductivity allows it to control the optics of any garment covered in it by applying voltage across it, end quote. So there's a microcontroller on the bottom hem of the jacket that controls the voltage of each panel of the jacket, which can be programmed separately. I'll put a video in the show notes in which they programmed the panels to look like the jacket is playing Tetris. What's happening when you see the panels changing colors is that the operator is controlling how much thermal radiation each one is emitting, and they're not actually changing the temperature, but the thermal radiation is fooling the infrared camera into thinking that they are. So when you look at the jacket with your naked eyes, it looks like a white jacket with some undeveloped strips of film on it. No changing colors, no invisibility, but when viewed through an infrared camera, you can see the panels changing colors to mimic the Change of temperature, and you can have that temperature match that of the background, so it looks like you're seeing through the jacket. Of course, right now, again, it's all a proof of concept. The jacket still has to be plugged into a computer to work, though Tidball says even that is super exciting, saying, quote, the first iterations of clothing and technology merging are gonna look like the DeLorean from Back to the Future. It's gonna have wires sticking out of it, and it's gonna look like it's come out of the lab. End quote. Alright, you might have sold me there. But still, could this infrared tech move into the realm of visible radiation? Mario Palaez Fernandez, a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Lille who specializes in graphene-related materials, told Wired that tuning ionic liquids electrically to inform graphene patches what temperature they should display is ingenious. And though probably very expensive, the use of the technology was certainly feasible. But, she added, quote, saying is true, and this material could, hypothetically, be tuned to any wavelength in the visible spectra, something about which I have not found any literature but that seems plausible, what they would have is something similar to a chameleon jacket, not a invisibility cloak. End quote. Meanwhile, Andrea Alu, one of the researchers behind the 2016 study, that said invisibility is not possible within the bounds of the fundamental laws of physics, declined to comment on Volopak's jacket because it lacked a supporting scientific peer-reviewed paper. Fair enough. Volbach has been working with the National Graphene Center at the University of Manchester, specifically with Professor of 2D Device Materials Joshkin Kuchabas, but no proper research has been published thus far. They've got some enormous hurdles in trying to move from a chameleon jacket attached to a computer to a consumer-ready invisibility cloak. And frankly, based on the track record of products like this, I'm not personally super holding my breath, but it is an intriguing method with a good amount of funding behind it. So maybe we'll have mass-market invisibility cloaks before mass-market jetpacks or something. No matter what, I'm still holding out for the real, functional hoverboards. Yesterday, I saw a video online of three or four sea otters spinning super fast together in one of those little fishing holes otter holes? I I don't know. I don't know much about otters. But I bring it up to emphasize that most otters are pretty small. Sea otters can be between 45 and 90 pounds, while North American river otters can be as small as 10 to 30 pounds, and about 3 to 4 feet in length, which makes the recent discovery of a 440-pound prehistoric otter in Ethiopia absolutely gobsmacking. About the size of a large male lion, this extinct giant otter would have lived about seven to two million years ago, and is the largest ever found. Described in a new paper published earlier this month in the French journal Comte Rendu Palevol, the otter's remains were found in Omo Valley in Ethiopia, and has been named Inhydriodon omoensis. Lion-sized is pretty big, but paleontologist Margaret Lewis told Atlas Obscura that that's kind of underselling it, and a better term to evoke how much of an absolute unit these otters were might be bear otter. But certain listeners will know that bear otter is a bit of a conflicting and misleading term. Here's another interesting finding about this new giant otter, though. It seems like it lived primarily on land. To the surprise of the researchers, when they tested oxygen and carbon isotopes collected from the tooth enamel, the levels were closer to those of terrestrial mammals, like big cats, as opposed to the levels of semi-aquatic animals, like this otter's modern-day descendants. The smoking gun for this discovery, in the form of a very large femur, was first found by paleontologists at Omo Valley in the early 1970s. At that time, they weren't positive what carnivore it belonged to, so it went with tons of other specimens into the National Museum of Ethiopia's archives. Fast forward to 2008, and Lewis identified this femur as probably coming from a large prehistoric otter. Lead author of this new study, Camille Groet, went to the museum's archives in 2019, digging through carnivore fossils to look at overall diversity and cross-checking specimens with the museum's database. That's when she found the femur. Like Lewis, she couldn't identify it as any known species of otter, so Groe made a trip out to Omo Valley to look for more fossils. She ended up finding some giant fossilized oysters that helped her make the connection to the tooth enamel and this new giant otter having hunted primarily on land. Now that finding still continues to raise questions, like, if this giant otter therefore had such a wide habitat, why might it have gone extinct? And as Lewis brought up to Atlas Obscura, with giant otters and so many huge cats around that same area, how on earth did our hominid ancestors, who would have overlapped with the giant otter for a few million years, actually survive? When we remember how massive other animals were for a time and how relatively lacking in shelter and weaponry we were compared to now, it is really kind of astonishing that we've survived for so long and evolved through our technology and hubris to become some sort of pseudo apex predator ourselves. My sophomore year of high school, the theater department put on a production of Narnia the Musical. It was cleverly timed to build on the hype surrounding the release of the first movie in the new live-action Chronicles of Narnia film franchise, the one starring Tilda Swinton and James McAvoy. Because the movie was coming out the same time we were putting on the play, there was a ton of merch that we got to pretend was for us in our dinky school play. In particular, for opening night, one of the moms brought in a huge sheet cake decorated with action figures from the movie. It had all the main Pivensey kids, the witch, Mr. Tumnus, Aslan, and even assorted forest animals for us in the chorus, including an eagle that I got to claim as my minor character Glimfeather the Eagle. And I have long assumed that that is the closest I will ever get to having an action figure made in my likeness or from a character that I played. But thanks to Hasbro, now we can all have action figures of ourselves made. Announced back in July at San Diego Comic Con and launching broadly this Friday, Hasbro's Selfie Series is a collaboration with 3D printing company Formlabs. For now, you can only order through the Hasbro mobile app, uh, but Gizmodo speculates that that is to help keep photo quality consistent. As part of the ordering process, you will need to submit several photos of yourself, or whoever you are having an action figure made of, from multiple different angles with even lighting and the same facial expression in each photo. These are to help generate the 3D model. And honestly, based on photos from Comic-Con of people holding up their action figures beside their actual faces, these are pretty dang well done. They look reliably like the people in question, and also just look like straight-up normal action figures, you know, not some hokey bobblehead kind of thing. You can get a look at them yourself at the link in the show notes. In addition to all of those photos, you will also need to input hairstyle and color, kind of like making a Memoji or Bitmoji. And having dozens of colors and textures for hair and skin tone options was a priority of the two companies. After that, you get to pick from a lineup of media properties for your heroic wardrobe. Your action figure can be an X-Wing pilot, a stormtrooper presumably with the face mask off, Princess Leia, The Mandalorian, Black Panther, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Black Widow, The Red Power Ranger, The Pink Power Ranger, Snake Eyes, Scarlet, and either a male or female Ghostbuster. I don't know if that means like the two different jumpsuit designs, you know, like the ones in the original series versus the ones in the all-women Ghostbusters movie or just like, a more fitted original jumpsuit. Also, where is the justice for Billy the Blue Power Ranger? Only pink and red, typical. Now, naturally, these do cost a bit more than the kind of action figure that you'd pick up at Target or as part of a Happy Meal, but still notably less than some collector's editions at $80 each. And when I first saw these, I thought it could be a slam dunk holiday or birthday gift for the ultimate nerd in your life, but considering the number of photos that you have to take in even lighting with the same facial expression, there's probably no way to go about surprising someone with one of these action figures. Unless you like creepily take all the photos while they're asleep with their eyes open. If you manage to figure that out and are eyeing these for a gift or other special occasion, do be aware that the delivery time is currently at 45 days and Gizmodo notes that it is subject to change as demand increases. And apart from how fun this is just generally, it's also a cool look at the customization potential we're starting to see in the commercial world thanks to 3D printing, or as Brian Chapman, Hasbro's head of global design and development, referred to it, mass personalization. I do wonder where we can go from here, like thinking more broadly. But even zooming back into personalized action figures, it sounds like soon enough it won't be too expensive to get a bunch of action figures made for kids of the characters that they're playing in their school musical. Well, that is going to be it for me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.